Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast, stories of struggle, hope, and survival in the face of colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. Welcome to episode 10. I guess there's some significance in hitting the double digit number. We first launched on February 24th, and at the time of this recording, we're a few days shy of our two-month anniversary, and I have to tell you, I am overwhelmed, appreciative, and humbled at the response that this podcast has received. I wasn't sure what to expect when I had the idea to launch this, and but I will tell you, I wasn't expecting to be looking at a download number like I just looked at a few minutes ago that shows that the nine episodes that have been released prior to this 10th episode have been downloaded over 1,700 times in just under two months. So if you are listening, thank you. I can't thank you enough and truly appreciate the support that you've provided uh, this project. Uh, it's obviously they were filling a need based on the response. And uh, if I can ask a favor, if you haven't already gone on iTunes and left a review, I would greatly appreciate it if you did that. The more reviews that the podcast receives, the greater the visibility the podcast will itself will receive when people log on to iTunes and are searching for uh, podcasts around this topic. And we are the only colon cancer podcast currently uh, that I'm aware of, that I can find anywhere in the world. There have been some hospitals and medical centers that have discussed the topic of colon cancer, but there is not a colon cancer-specific podcast other than this one. So thank you. Also, I wanted to share some really exciting news, something that I experienced recently. Uh, I am a patient of the Moffitt Cancer Center here in Tampa, Florida, Moffitt is the only NCI center in the state of Florida. And on their Facebook page about a month ago, they posted a contest asking if you or someone you know is a cancer survivor as well as a baseball fan. And if so, to submit your personal story and some photographs, specifically wearing Tampa Bay Rays gear. And I fit both of those qualifications, so I submitted... Uh, blog post that I wrote about a year, almost two years ago, when I wrote uh, in the Colon Cancer Alliance uh, blog page about my experience with my metas- my liver metastasis. And I shared a picture of myself and my old college roommate, Lenny, and I'm wearing my Ray's Strikeout Cancer t-shirt, which they sponsored, and part of the proceeds goes to Moffitt, and I submitted my story. And I was selected as the first winner for the season, the uh, for the month of April, and had just an amazing experience at the game this past Saturday night. The Rays played the Yankees, and myself and three guests, my wife, one of my sons, and my father, got to spend time on the field watching batting practice. We had great seats to the game, and at the bottom of the fifth inning, I was recognized with um, the photos that I submitted. Uh, up on the Jumbotron with a public address announcer reading my story in front of 25,000 people who gave me a very nice round of applause and I got some fist bumps and some high fives. It was very cool. And I met 
uh, one of the representatives from the marketing department at Moffitt Cancer Center. Uh, her name is Leslie Geyer, and she was awesome. And I just, if any of the folks affiliated with either the, the Tampa Bay Rays or Moffitt Cancer Center happen to come upon this podcast, I just want to give them a major shout out. It was it was a really very memorable evening, and it was a lot of fun. So let's move on to today's uh, broadcast, today's in, interview, and this was a great one, and, and they're all great. I feel like a, a proud parent. You can't love one child more than another, but I had the real distinct pleasure of interviewing Ed Yakaki III, and Ed has been recently one of the big faces of colon cancer and colon cancer survivors. seems like every time I log on to Facebook, Ed is speaking somewhere, appearing somewhere, got his a picture taken with somebody uh, prominent, whether it's Eric, the CEO of the Colon Cancer Alliance or somebody in in government or whatever it may be. And I had the pleasure of speaking to Ed. Ed lives outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Ed is another one of the guests that I've interviewed that was diagnosed at a very young age. I believe Ed was 29 when he was diagnosed. And when you go on the website, theconcancerpodcast.com, you'll see Ed's picture. He's behind a lectern giving a speech, but you can tell this is a big guy. And as soon as I saw Ed's picture for the first time, I said he must have played football somewhere in his life, but a big guy with a big heart. And he's very candid in this interview, and he talks a lot about uh, what his life was like after treatment and the tra- and the traumatic experience. I would almost go so far as to say, that Ed experienced, I think he would concur, he experienced some post-traumatic stress after his uh, uh, treatment for colon cancer. Uh, He had a really tough time. It even cost him his marriage. But he credits the Colon Cancer Alliance and specifically his first opportunity to participate in the Philadelphia Undie as what saved him. He realized that there were other people out there like himself, that there was support out there, and that things were going to be okay. And uh, he has been on a really nice rebound. He had some really poignant things to share with me, and I think you'll enjoy our conversation. So join me now for my conversation with Ed Yakaki III. How are you feeling? Uh, great, Lee. Thank you for having me on today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So before we get into the uh nitty-gritty of your story kind of take me back through what was your life like before uh the you know what hit the fan so to speak uh, before you were diagnosed yeah um my my uh life was like i guess like any 30 year old would be um i just got married uh i had a career i was active in the gym and I played softball and I played rough touch football and I was just going about my life like any, you know, 30 year old would living it like, uh, any, any 30 year old would that's, that's, that's what I was doing. And that's how my life was before, uh, the big, you know what, (laughs) (laughs) and you started having symptoms and you went and saw that a doctor. Tell yes. me, tell me about specifically the day you got the news. Yes, uh, the day I got the news, uh, my GI doctor was telling me that he probably thought I had Crohn's disease because of my age, 
but there was an outside chance that I had a colon cancer. But he, if he had, to, if he was a bad man, he would. He was saying it was going to be Crohn's disease. So I went back in there after uh, getting a ultrasound CAT scan done, and um, when he walked in the room, I could just see the look on his face, and he had tears in his eyes, and I just knew it was bad news. And when he told me I had cancer, uh, I, I was luckily sitting down because I, I couldn't believe it. If I was standing up, I probably would have fell over. And my mother passed away from stomach cancer when I was 21 years old. So that flashed before my eyes. And, and being just turned 30 years old, I was like, I haven't even lived my life. I haven't even experienced life yet. So that's what was going through my head. And what was the treatment plan that they presented to you? Um, they told me that I was going to do six weeks of chemotherapy with a pump 24-7, you know, uh, like a fanny pack around me and doing six weeks of radiation too. Uh, there was surgery involved? Yes, but I had to, uh, I had to complete the the treatments and then rest for six weeks to prepare for surgery because my colon rectal doctor told me this was the best way to go about it. That if I would have had it seven years prior, because I was diagnosed in 2008, they would have did it the opposite way. But you know, just like, you know, anything going on with cancer, it's always a evolving door. So, uh, you went through treatment uh, I know that was difficult, and you came out. Did you know at the time you were going to have a permanent colostomy? No. Um, <clears throat> when I was going through treatment, the the first six weeks of it, uh, every day I went into radiation at ten o'clock in the morning, and just so happened on the TV that Rachel Ray was on TV every day. So um, I can't look at Rachel Ray ever. <laughs> ever the same and, <laughs> and this poor woman's never did anything to me but that's what I, I it's like a chord that strikes with me every time I see that show it reminds me of what I went through so um, they told me that I was going to have my bowel uh, obstruction surgery and I was going to get a temporary ileostomy bag put on and they told me I would have to wear it from anywhere from three weeks to three months. So originally the plan was for it to be temporary. Yeah. The ileostomy. Yes. Um, so I finished, like I said, I finished all the treatment up and I had my surgery and it was like really, really, really low in my, like you said, uh, rectal cancer, I guess, um, really, really low. And I had my surgery done. I was in the hospital and I wasn't really feeling all that well. And the nurses were looking at me, telling me, well, sometimes when you get a tumor taken out of you, you get a pre-opta fever. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not feeling that great. I don't know what's going on with me. So I had all these ice bags all over my body because I was on fire. You know, here from the surgery, I had the swelling in my stomach. It locked my stoma and my... Uh, stool was backing up into my body. So after uh, a day of, uh, I that was horrible. Just 
a horrible time in my life. Uh, I didn't know, you know, if I was dying or what was going on. So my doctor was like, I don't want anybody to touch him. I'm going to do the surgery. And uh, he did the surgery. And then that was on a Thursday night he did it. And then the next day on a Friday night in the hospital where I was at in New Jersey, uh, about 11 o'clock at, 11 o'clock at night, uh, I get woken up and it's my doctor uh, and he's in a tuxedo. And he's like, uh, Mr. Yukaki, um, I was in the area for a benefit and um, I went to stop by the hospital to see how you're doing. He's like, my wife's mad as hell at me right now. Um, she just wants to go home, but I couldn't go home without knowing that you're doing all right. What's your doctor's name? That's that's very impressive. Yeah, his his uh, name is uh, Miguel DeLeon, Dr. DeLeon. And he's in the Virtua Surgical Group in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Very great doctor. You had a lot of challenges uh, physically to overcome when I read your bio, and you got through through it, fortunately. But what struck me as I read your story, Ed, is something really resonated with me because I hear it frequently, but not to the intensity that you shared it in your story that you sent to me is that a lot of people feel, believe going into this, all right, if I can just get through it, I can get back to my normal life. And I use air quotes when I say normal. Yes. (laughs) You got through it and really realized what a traumatic experience that it was. And it had a major difficult impact on your life coming through the other side. Talk about that. Yeah. I went from, being under a microscope for three years of my life, just uh, like I said, right around 29 to 30 years old, all the way up to 32 years old, I was getting poked, prodded, scanned, every kind of scan you can have, biopsy, this, ileostomy, colostomy, treatments, you know, six months of aggressive chemo, and then um, I got a clean bill of health, and they're like, you can go on and uh, live your life, and I'm like, wow, I don't know where to pick my life up at right now. My life's a total disaster, you know? And um, the whole time I was going through my treatment, like you said, Lee, uh, I was trying to, uh, I was fighting for my life and I was trying to fight for my old life. And it didn't dawn on me until later down the road that my life wasn't ever going to be the same. And I had to come to terms with that. It sounds like you describe what some people call survivor's guilt. Yes. Yes, I went through a lot of that. Um, just uh, you know, physical, emotional uh, trauma done. Uh, and then, you know, having the bag, you know, you were getting your body altered perma- permanently. You know, at first it was supposed to be temporary, but you know, like, uh, permanent alterations to your body. And, um, like I said earlier, uh, my mother passed away and, uh, my mom was a very great woman. And, uh, she, uh, had a real rough go of uh, stomach cancer and I didn't understand why she was taken from me and how I survived. And I didn't understand why, because she was, I wasn't any better than anybody else or any other person that I was just like everybody else. And I didn't understand why I survived and she didn't, you know, 
Right. How did you get through that? Um, how did I get through that? Uh, I got through it by, um, I went to counseling, a therapist, and I talked about a lot of my issues. And then I ended up meeting a, a girlfriend and she really helped me come to terms with a lot of the stuff that I still deal with to this day. Tell me about Amanda. How has your life changed since she's become a part of it? Um, it's become, I feel like I have my life back. I have a new life. I, it's way better than the life that I had before. Not to say that my life wasn't great before cancer because it was, I'm talking about like during the cancer and afterwards, cause I was in a real dark place in my life and I didn't quite understand why I, I had to go through what I went through. And like I said, that, you know, keep on having to go through different treatments and tests and, and surgeries. I didn't understand why, I, you know, I had to keep on doing, it. I didn't want to do it. You know, I cried on my, my surgeon shoulder when, he told me uh, I had to do the aggressive chemo, and I just cried on his shoulder. And I'm usually about 270 pounds, and at that point, I'm about buck sixty, and I'm just an emotional wreck. And he's like, "Well, you're strong, Ed. You know, you're you're so strong. You're going to get through this, you know." And um, my my ex-wife at the time, uh, very 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 good woman. Um, her name's Jennifer. Uh, she helped me get through everything and um my father edward yukaki jr um he he retired like three or four months before i got diagnosed with a stage four colon rectal cancer and he would stay with me during the day and drive me to my different doctor's appointments and um you know different things i had to go through and then jennifer took over but it kind of like after going through all that, it kind of like ruined our relationship and I wasn't the same person and she wasn't the same person. It isn't anything against her. Like she's a bad person because she did right by me, but it just really fractured our, our marriage. So like I said, when I met Amanda, I was in a really dark place in my life and I met her and she's a very, very positive person. She's a school teacher who teaches uh, extremely mentally challenged uh, young kids. So she has a great attitude on life. And she just told me like, Ed, you need to get more involved and you need to stop feeling like a victim and be proactive and tell your story because it's going to inspire other people. And I went to the Undie Walk in 2012 in Philadelphia. I've never been around anything like colon cancer. Made these uh, goofy neon shirts. And I get there and I'm like, <laughs> as soon as I get in the area where all the tarps are, I'm crying. I'm just crying because I'm just like, I've never been in, I've never been in, quite an environment like that and I just felt so alone before and I didn't think anybody understood what I was going through if you understand what I mean and um, 
when I got there, it changed my life because I felt like I could, I was dropping the ball that I could raise awareness and do something good in my community about raising awareness for colon cancer. And that's what I've been doing ever since that day. And that day was September 12th, 2012. No, I'm sorry, September, September 8th, 2012. That's my birthday. Three years prior to that, I had liver surgery on that day. I knew we were kindred spirits. My birthday, September 9th. Oh, okay. Virgos. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I misjudged things that could be in my future. When I wrote a blog post, I said, you know, after coming through my liver surgery and looking at, looking down at my abdomen, yes. I said, well, there goes my future of being an Abercrombie and Fitch model, <laughs> insert major tongue in cheek. Yeah, and then right. I find out you're going to be a freaking model. I know. I <laughs> Talk about that. Well, <clears throat> the ball on my, uh, involvement with the colon cancer Alliance, uh, was last year Amanda wrote to them at the Dundee walk about my five years coming up and you know she thought that it would be a good thing maybe if I could speak at it and started talking to people and I guess she started forum for my story so they got a hold of this picture of me um last March I turned my profile picture uh, in 2013 blue so I took one of their shirts that I got at one of the walks and I put it on. I did my hair and I put a, a blue bandana on that I usually wear at the walks and these uh, goofy neon glasses that I wear down the shore in New Jersey when I'm on the beach. And she took a picture of it and she's like, wait a minute, you got to turn this shirt around. And the, the shirt says, I'm brave, I'm a fighter, I'm a survivor. And that was on the back. So I flipped that around, I put that on my chest and we took that picture. And since I took that picture, my life has changed. It's amazing what a picture, a symbol would do. I never, I never thought how much of an impact one picture would have on, on anything. But we did that. And so I didn't hear anything about, um, doing, uh, oh, yeah, doing any kind of talking at the walk and, uh, just I just left it at that. So then the Colon Cancer Alliance was like, well, we're going to do an article on you in the Phoenix Magazine, which is a Ostaby, uh magazine for people that, I guess, are doing something special in the community for people that are wearing ostomies. And uh, in December, in Washington, D.C., the woman that runs Colon Town, Erica Brown, she's kind of like touch and go with me, talking to me every so often, trying to get me, you know, to do something different. And finally she talked to me. She's like, Ed, listen, love, love you to come down to Washington, D.C. to Colin Rectal Summer, Summit in December of 2014 because uh, we need some new life and we need new blood in this disease. And you're young and you're male. And there isn't enough males in this. There's not, yeah, there's a lot of women. Males don't like to talk about their feelings, you know? And now I'm a big, I feel like I'm a big sissy now from everything <laughs> I went through. So I go down there and um, I 
do my first public speaking. I don't know anybody down there, really. I'm in front of about 100 people, doctors, and it was all stage four people in, in the room. And I got through my speech without um, t- having a total breakdown, but I but I got through it. And um, after that, I did a interview for the Colon Cancer Alliance for uh, maybe their website. And a couple of the nice young ladies that have helped me through um, all the different things that Colon Cancer has done, the Colon Cancer Alliance, I'm sorry, um, Colleen and uh, Becky and Nicole. Uh, Colleen's like, we're going to make you the face of colon cancer, Ed. You're going to be the rock star of it. And I didn't know really what she was talking about. She's like, but we're going to put you in this calendar uh, magazine. Or Well, at, at the time, I thought it was just a calendar, but it's turned into a magazine. So I got a phone call in February. I think it was February 13th um, that I was selected as one of the 12 models. And that was just a very exciting time in my life. Just just to uh, get that phone call. And the guy, that Marty, who was a model before, I think 2014, he's the one that called me. He's like, I've never talked to a model before. And I laughed and... My family and friends have been joking with me, uh, calling me different months, like Mr. June in July, but it, it makes me feel really good. Um, I'm accomplishing something, and uh, it might be a little goofy to some people, but I, I, I like goofy, and I'm all about goofy, but it has su- such a serious point to it, if you understand what I mean, because a lot of the walks I've done, I've made some bright, uh, that bright shirts that stand out and yeah, they're fun, but they have a, a serious side tone. Lee, if you understand what I mean, I certainly do. I do. And one question that I ask everybody I speak to on the, on the podcast is, is this someone is, someone's listening to this podcast who they themselves or someone they care deeply about just got the news that they have colon cancer. What message, having been through it yourself the way you have, would you do you have for that that person? Um, the for, the thing I would say to him is, no matter how dark a time in your life or whoever's life it is, you know, going through a colon cancer that just di- diagnosed, um, you always have to hold on to hope and no matter what happens to you physically, if you can survive it and hold on to it, you know, um, you'll be alive. And I had a hard time adjusting to all the stuff I went through, but I'm so thankful and blessed that I'm alive no matter what kind of, issues I'm still having from having cancer. Uh, I would take any of them and more just to have another day on this earth. So I would say not to ever give up. And whenever you're having a hard time, you're allowed to have hard times. Um, But you have to pick your head off the mat and keep grinding through everything that you're going through. That's what I would say. That's a great message. I appreciate that. 
Well, Ed, I appreciate you taking the time from your schedule to share your story and your experience. And I thank you as another member of the Colon Cancer Alliance team for all the hard work and efforts that you've put to help put forth, help raise awareness about this disease. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Mr. August or October or whatever you're going to be. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know what it's going to be yet, but it doesn't matter. I'm in the family now. That's I'm right. Like, That's like right. Same. And in, maybe all fame. <laughs> so maybe there's hope for me after all. Yeah, there is, there's <laughs> hope for everybody out there. Um, I never thought I'd come to this point, and it's an amazing thing. And I just can't thank you enough, Lee, for uh, reaching out to me and asking asking me to be on here. I'm very uh, humbled, and uh, it, it's been a privilege. Well, it's, it's an inspirational story, and uh, if we can give one person hell hope, it was certainly worth both of our time. Thank you so much. Ed, be well. You too, Lee. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on our website, on iTunes, or on the Stitcher app for listeners using an Android device. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at www.ccalliance.org. Again, that's www.ccalliance.org. You can also email your questions to us at info at Thanks again for listening. Be well, everyone.